previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So then we would play Stony Brook. Yes. The dreaded, hateful Stony Brook. And it will begin next week. They begin on a week early. So you'll be playing that number eight seed on the 26th or the 27th. And by the way, when you make it to the championship game. Which we will. Which we will. When you're playing UMBC, you're going to look across that court and say, we've beaten these blokes this year. So we're not afraid of anybody. We're not afraid of anybody. We're (laughs) absolutely not afraid of anybody. We don't think we can beat anybody. We're not afraid. Okay. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. Um, It's a cold and bleak weekend here in Washington, D.C., and it's a little bit colder today than Michael expected, right? You, you, yeah, I'm glad to see the boys brought you so much warmth when we brought them over to Oh, your that house. was wonderful. Be- well, I don't get to see them because I have to You're be outside. dog duty. Yeah, I have to be outside with the dog, but I did get to see them a little bit. It was it was thrilling. Actually, yesterday, you have the one even test. though it went to 35 degrees, that's all. It felt so much warmer than the day before. You have the one test to see if you can still lift up the boots. You and I can. off the ground. 39 pounds. Um, that's easy. We're trying to fatten them up. It's easy. I can pick them up. That's not a problem at all. Let me just read this from Patrick Finley in Evanston, Illinois. Greetings from Wilbon Country. I want to harness the collective goodwill of the show for Laura Little Dave Chow, who is receiving a kidney Wednesday in Seattle, left, left, straight, right at the hospital site. <laughs> Dave and I met while attending Missouri 20 years ago, long before our band learned Gary's jingle. He drove a Subaru. We were friends anyway. When Dave put out a call for a donor, his wife Alicia answered, proving it's easier to get an organ transplanted than it is to get a mural done for free at Chatter. Hopefully by the end of the week, Dave can worry about things that really matter, such as the water bill at a wealthy stranger's vacation home. The rest of us will pop a Michelob Ultra to toast Dave, cognizant, of course, that beer isn't just for celebration. And it's a brilliant email. So we wish him, we wish Dave all the luck in the world. Let me start today with a, a very sort of minor, this is such a minor thing, but it involves a few people who pay attention to the show. One is my son, Michael. One is Michael Wilbon. And one is my friend, Adam Mandel, who had a tremendous interest in the golf yesterday. All, all three of those people, including myself, so that's four, were watching the golf yesterday. With about <clears throat> a hole or two to go in the golf, it was time for me to take the dog out. So at this point, Sam Burns has not cratered, but he's he's not really in it. When I left, he was tied for the lead with Tony Finau and Max Homa, but he was falling. And so I thought there might be a playoff, or I thought that Finau might win outright because Finau was going to birdie and did birdie 17, the par five, to get to 12. I think that Correct. was to get to 12. So I thought that might win. Great up and down to save 12 under uh, 18. So what I what I said to Carol was... Is there a way that you can tape this? Can you tape this? And she said, yes. I said, good, just tape it. And when I get back with the dog, start it from where it is. I, it, just not, press the pause button. Yeah, it's not. I don't know how to do that. So I said, just tape it and start it from when I get back, what it was when I left. Because I'm, I'm cognizant of what happened when I left. And I knew that there was a lot of things in place. So I get home and the golf is on. And it's bright sunlight. I go, okay, it's still bright sunlight in L.A. It's bright sunlight. And I see Homa because I recognize his shirt. And I see Finau, and they're playing. And I go, what is this? And Carol says, they're on the 10th hole. And I go, what, is it a playoff? And to be she, fair, she's not wrong. Yeah, no. And I said, is it a playoff? And she said, yes. It's, it's got to be a playoff. They're still playing. It's got to be a playoff. So at that point, I now check my phone because now I can pick it up in live time. Now I understand. I understand there's a playoff. 
And on my phone are messages from three or four different people, including one from Jimmy Crilly that just says, did you see him miss that putt? And one from my son who goes, what a gag that was. <laughs> now I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know who, since there's no names in there, I don't know who they are referring to, but I know I've got to go back at some point and see because somebody would have missed the putt. Now, in my mind, it could be Sam Burns. It, it could be Sam Burns, too. And my guess is it's a relatively, a relatively short putt. But I don't go back. I don't go back because I've got live action. And I've got live action on number 10, which is, is the short par four that everybody tries to drive. One of the more famous par fours in tournament golf. Yes. And, and Max Homa is next to a tree. He's next to a tree. There is, it's inconceivable that he can have this hole. He's next to the tree in two, right? Yeah, oh, yes, he's next to a tree in two. And next to a tree. So he's, if he's a lefty, he's not a lefty. If he's Phil Mickelson, he cannot even hit a shot because he's next to a tree. As it turns out, Michael, why don't you explain that he's not quite abutting the tree? Well, he, he is just off the root system, but he has an angle based on where the pin is. And, and you actually, this might have freed him up a little bit. He rolls the club face over, and he actually gets it to chip up the front of the green, stops about seven, eight feet away Tremendous. on the correct side, and has like an uphill putt for birdie, Tremendous. which he thinks is going to extend the playoff. Right, because he thinks that Tony Finau, who is just off the green, who is minus seven on the day, who's playing great. Tony Finau, who usually with the lead on the weekend, disappears gags but this he time chasing. he's chasing and he's caught everybody and he's done a great job he misses a relatively easy putt but that can't be the putt that oh and also adam mandel who's rooting like crazy for max homa because at 46 to 1 this is a big deal adam mandel a note from him just goes it's lost so when i when i read it's lost from him i assume it has something to do with max homa Michael, why don't you describe what, what – because I later got to see this. In other words, I filled in the background after the, after the painting was done, after the main people in the painting were done, I went out and filled in the background. Somebody showed – CBS showed him miss, but go ahead. All right, so go back to 18 in regulation. Yes. Okay, so at this point, Tony Fina has, has pitched close on 18 to secure 12 under. Homa knows that he is tied for the lead. He stripes a driver and has probably a pitching wedge, maybe a nine iron, on a hole that he had to finish up earlier in the day in the in the early morning light where he had a four iron, according to the exchange with his caddy. No one has hit it close all day. I think the closest this is shot 18. Was, eight, fifth, uh, was eight feet. When you leave 18, you walk directly up into the air 150 steps. Again, Pacific Palisades, you're, you're basically on the hilltop looking down to Santa Monica and the Pacific Ocean. This is the reason. The reason people remember 18 is because they gasp to actually leave the golf course because they have to walk up. It's 150 oh, steps. Straight up, straight, straight up, up a hill. Straight up hill. So he hits a pitching. Again, I think it's pitching wedge. Lands just by the hole. Spins back to just outside of three feet. It's unbelievable. I think you've had two birdies the entire day. He's going to win. You think it's a walk-off win for the hometown L.A. kid. It looks like a walk-off home. And run. everybody says that. Everyone Nance, says it. 
Faldo. The, the other two players in his group, unfortunately for him, I think, begin to knock in long-range birdie putts. He lines up his putt. Again, three feet, lines up the ball. Three feet. You, you hear him say to his caddy, I like it center. And Faldo, who has won this tournament, goes, I'd like a right center myself. <laughs> Again, if you're looking over his right shoulder, you have this huge cliff, which has uh, the Hogan statue on it. And to his left, you have something called the ocean, which may or may not be pulling a golf ball and any water rolling off the green towards that. And predictably, he has a power lip out. He misses. And so now they go now they go to the playoff. Now you think he's going to lose. Just for on the, the, first the emotional hole. roller coaster again for somebody who this means so much. You hear later on how he grew up going to this tournament. This tournament's one of the reasons he plays professional golf. And you go to a, a par four, whether you love it or not, has a certain amount of just chance to it because it's not just short, but it is so extreme with the way the green pitches that it's it's hard to even secure a four. So it, 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 you find out on 10 they have the hole, and then they go to the, a par 3. They go to a par 3. I think it's 14. And, he, and Homa hits a really good shot. It looks like he's going to birdie and walk off, but he doesn't. He misses it. But he's in the same line that Finau is. He's, he's behind Finau. So Finau has watched his ball. It is it's a ball that moves left, and Finau keeps it too far out on the right, and he misses it. And so Finau just picks up, and, and Homa wins. Um I know this is really, really minor, and I know that a lot of people say it's golf. Why do you even care so much? And the reason is because there was really nothing else on. Because you see, football, which everybody does care about, isn't on for the next six months. We had the Michigan basketball game. Which was earlier in the day, yep. which I watched, Michigan-Ohio State. And then there's nothing. There's nothing that intrigues me. I don't care. So I am glued. I've also been out there. I've, I'm glued to the golf, and, and it has a, quite an intriguing ending. I mean, uh, the only thing that would make Jordan Spieth gassed on Saturday, so he wasn't even. The a only factor. thing that would have made it better is if Charlie Steiner came out of the tower and, and called the you know the 18th hole. Oh yeah, uh, lip out, lip out, lip out, going to extras. So uh, speaking of announcers, by the way, today is the 41st anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, and I wrote a note to Uncle Big Al last night, and I said, Happy anniversary. I think this may find its way on to PTI tomorrow. And he writes back and he says, Aruzioni and I have dined out on this for 41 years. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway. All right. So, we'll take a break. I wanted to. Can I share some big news? Yeah. I celebrated my 100th ride yesterday with the Peloton. Oh, that is big that's news. Fan that's um, fantastic. Do you, do you get, is that like up in the air? Does, does the pilot come out? And hand you wings or something so th like that. This is where the, the question <laughs> was. Up in the so, great movie. Great movie. Some people choose to do a live ride because they hope that they get a shout out from the instructor. And the problem then is if you go into a, a canned ride, one of the lives that live, rides that lives on demand, you could potentially get high fives. No, no. I went the exact opposite direction and I did a, a ride titled Just Ride, just by myself, listening to the soundtrack of Les Mis. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. So is, was that the great benefit, or do now are now people able to make fun of you because they've well, taken your live ride? I think you? they will make fun of me after hearing this segment. Oh, okay, um, and I think they would make fun of me if they actually saw the printout of the climbs that I was doing to Who Am I right. uh, from Act One. But I get a T-shirt. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh that's great. That should defray some of the $4,500 for the Peloton. Oh, well, it's, it's a t-shirt, Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we return, Michael Wilbon joins us from Arizona. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. 
This is the Simply Safe ad, and it's new copy, and I haven't seen it before, so you're going to all listen as I read. If you have 30 free minutes, you never have to worry about a break-in at home ever again. This is how quick and easy it is to set up a security system from Simply Safe. It's the kind of thing that is so easy to do. You can do it during a Netflix binge, watching the game, or listening to a certain podcast like mine. Simply Safe is incredibly easy to customize for your home. Just go to simplysafe.com/tony. You can easily choose the exact sensors you need or get help from one of their experts. It'll get to your house in about a week, which means by this time next week you and your whole family can go to bed knowing your home is being guarded. It's easy to assume everyone in your house already feels safe, but they might not, and it's worthwhile to talk about it. And Simply Safe is a small, easy step to make sure everyone feels safe at home. This is much better copy. Much better copy. Go to simplysafe.com slash Tony today to customize your system and get a free security camera. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. That's Simply Safe, and I'll spell it for you, S-I-M-P-L-I. It's not simply with a Y, it's simply with an I. S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash Tony. And for God's sakes, people, use the code. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is rapper Dan and Jessica Gerhardt. And Dan writes, huge fan of the show and PTI. Thank you for operating both during the pandemic. Your riling up of Wilbon over Carson Wentz is greatly entertaining (laughs) and puts a smile on my face every time the topic comes up. This is a single from my album, Rapper Dan Goes to Los Angeles, available on Spotify and Apple Music. Singing vocals. I'm getting an echo here from the very talented Jessica Gerhardt. I'm getting an echo. Now I'm not. Is everybody on the line? Wilbon, are you with us? I'm right here. Okay, good. Uh, let us start with two natural disasters which uh, impacted sports over the weekend. One was the golf, where on Saturday it got so windy that they postponed for like four or five hours. And People wrote me about that, you know, when it was happening because they knew I'd be watching. And I said it was really weak. And I wrote Wilbon, this is so weak. Wind, please, wind, stop it. And you took great umbrage at this and explain your position on this. I mean, that's insane. I mean, you're such a weather wonk anyway. But then you don't realize it's <laughs> something that's unplayable. I mean, how can you play golf if the, if the ball is literally being blown off the green. The greens could not, they, they couldn't hold the ball. Balls were moving. I'm not talking about a thing where it moves like a dimple. No, no, no. They were blown 40 feet. I was like, what are you talking about? I, I, I had this because, you know, you, you, these storms in the, in the, look, the two places really that have had no play in the, the bad weather department. Uh, the last week or so have been South Florida and Arizona, even Southern California. The, the winds have generated there off the Pacific. And Tony, a week ago, I did something I've never done. I walked off a golf course. The wind was so bad you you couldn't even you could barely stand up. I've, I've had this in Chicago a couple of times, and people expected there because just the nickname of the city. That's right. No, that's right. That's not why it's called the Windy City, but. But nevertheless, I, I've had that there. I, I've never walked off a golf course because of wind. You, you, I've, you know, these winds, the gusts had to be in the 60s miles per hour. 
And then, so I'm watching this on television, and I'm getting ready to go and play here in Arizona. And um, I, I, I was talking to one of the people I was playing with, and he said, are we going to get that? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, you can, I look, I literally look out of my back here in Scottsdale, and you can see the weather systems moving, just coming across the mountains from, from Southern California. So if it's bad at Torrey Pines, it's going to be here in a, in a matter of hours. Slow moving, maybe five hours overnight. Quickly moving, two, three hours. We're going to get right. the same thing. We're going to get something similar. And by the way, most times it doesn't even involve precipitation. So you, you have you know these, these storms. It's insane. So we had this. And I, I did not walk off the course uh, Saturday, day before yesterday. I should have. I played so badly. But uh, when the ball can't stay on the green, Tony, <laughs> why are you, you going to take off? Um, I hadn't seen, uh, by the time I got to it and they said the wind was so bad, I hadn't seen the footage, which I later saw. I have played in wind and I find it sort of fun, you know, because you'd have no idea what's going to happen with the ball. But I guess it, if, if you can't, if you, if you mark your ball and then the ball flies away on the green, you can't do that. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing, which to me was, was more explicable and more preventable, which I didn't even understand you have the, you know, the lovely outdoor NHL game in Lake Tahoe, and then they say, well, we got to stop for a while because the sun is melting the ice. And you say to yourself, yeah. hold on a second. You didn't factor in the sun in Lake Tahoe? Are you people nuts? Look, weather was so inexplicable the last week. Come on, you got, you got, you got, you got zero degrees in Texas cities. Yeah. Everything yeah. was completely screwed up. And it was coming, you know, again, certain people were not as affected. I'm talking about walking off the golf course. It was 68 degrees or 70 degrees when I walked off the course. Like, but you have to have a like plan for sun at a hockey game, Mike. You, ha you have no, to take that into consideration. No. I mean, you, ha you have to have a plan rel based relatively on what has happened in a place over the last hundred years. You get averages, you, trending. You have things that you are. If 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 all of a sudden, Tony, um, and we saw we saw snow here. I was not here. I was back in D.C. There was snow. I got pictures from all my friends and neighbors and from snow on the ground in Arizona. You're not you're not prepared for that. How could you be? There are places where this happened once in a century. Some of these weather patterns. I was in Florida. Oh, no. I was in Florida probably 40, over 40 years ago, and where we were in South Florida. This is not Jacksonville now. This is all the way down around Miami, and there was an inch of snow on the ground, an inch, and it was front-page news all over the state. People went crazy. Yes. They went yeah. crazy because it's not like, oh, get the snow plow out. Yeah, there's no snow plow. There's no, no salt. No. There's none of that. No, no, none, zero. All right. Did you you watch the golf? I felt yeah. I did. I felt bad for your boy. I felt bad for Fino. He had such a great day. He couldn't close. He, you know what his you know his his average score and all these losses, losses, all these runner up finishes he's got. His average wow. score on Sunday up until about four weeks ago was seventy four. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy four. He beat that by 10 strokes. 
yesterday. He shot 64. So I, there was no gagging. Um, you know, he, I told you when you said your boy's going to win, I said, Tony, he may need to birdie 18. Well, he needed to birdie 18. He, he made par on 18, so I'm not going to call it a choke at all, but it didn't work. No, man. he just he, he couldn't so close gracious. it out. He is so oh, he, yes. he is so beloved. He is in the industry by his peers. No, oh, he was he was he did every interview and said the same thing. He said, "Look, I'm really happy with my game. Don't worry about it." But Homa, what what I found interesting is Homa in the second interview, not the first interview, but in the interview with the Golf Channel person, not the CBS person. Homa said, and I'm quoting, "I choked a little bit." Well, Mike, when you saw that part, when you yeah. saw that on 18, what did you think? You think he's done, right? You think he's totally done? No, no. I, no? I thought just getting into the playoff is enough to, you know. How about when he's got, when he, his shot, in the, his tee shot in the playoff, the first, well, they only played one hole. On the, on the playoff hole, he's against a tree. And yeah. they're, they're giving him last rights. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Nick, yes. Nick is saying, well, he's against a tree. He got snookered. Oh! <laughs> and, then he, and then he makes this shot with a blade of the club, comes an inch from the tree. And he, he makes it, and he leaves himself a, a birdie putt, which he doesn't make. But yeah, I was, you know, Finau lives here in Scottsdale. And I have not run into him yet. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's certain if his family members, his extended family, that I know. Jabari Parker is his cousin. And, um, I, you know, I, I didn't have any reason to think Fina even necessarily. I didn't know, like, I don't know him. So I don't know if he watches PTI. I don't know if he has any idea who I am. But, but my oh, friend sure Robbie Petty, who you do know, had run I do know Fina right here in Scottsdale last week. And um, he told, he told, apparently he told Fina that. And Fina said, what is he insane? I watched the show. We'll run into each other. We'll you will see each other. He's here. I was look. I rooted for him anyway, and then he's a neighbor for God's sake. And I, I was so I let, let me get go by, his, by his house and leave a bottle yeah, of champagne on the front. Well, door. don't do that. Yeah, don't do that no yet because he didn't do win. It, but I, I, no. I there's an unbelievable statistic that in the last X amount of years, he has 37 top 10 finishes and no wins, and the only people yeah. with more top 10 finishes are Rory, Justin Thomas, and DJ, all of whom have at least yeah. five to 10 wins. You know, he just yeah. has not had, hasn't yeah, been able to close. Uh, yeah. We both felt we we both felt that the tennis that the winners in the tennis would be the winners who who indeed yes. won. Um, but what, what you love Osaka? So I mean, I what did you think of that match? Yeah, I, I love her. I mean, you look. You can watch. You can just watch any sport and fall in love with a a person, a driver of a car in in, in auto racing. You you can't. And I, so I love the way Osaka plays. But then when you listen to her after matches, she is so different than everybody else. She's so different. Her, just, I, I, her reasoning, the way she listens to questions and answers them and is engaged. And I am, I am completely, completely a Naomi Osaka fanboy. And uh, I root for her every single match that she plays. I think she's wonderful for the sport. I don't even know how long she's going to Like, I'm not saying, oh, she's going to be the greatest of all time. I'm not. Because I no, don't even know she's no. going to. Because sometimes she'll say, I have no idea what I want to do. And she's, she's, she's so candid and so smart and so different that I love her. And so 
And it's not that, you know, I mean, I've rooted for Serena, you know, much of her life. But Osaka, it's instant. It's instant for me. And um, so I was, you know, glad that she won. I didn't have anything against Jen Brady. I don't, I don't know Jen Brady. And with, and with Joker, I, I, you know, it's interesting, Tony, how this is going to wind up. You know, now that it's winding down, He's got more in the tank, it seems, than Federer and the Dahl. Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. What's oh, going to happen? He is going to finish with the most majors, most slams. The most slam won. He's going to end up with that. And how are people going to file this away? What are they going to make of it relative to two players? Most people would, would rank, people who've covered tennis. It would be interesting to hear Liz Clark answer this. We're going to have her later on the show. Yeah, we're going to have her today. Okay, there, there's no way I would say Liz is not going to have the order be Federer, Nadal, Joker. I just think uh, the people who follow tennis, I would. That's, what, that's the order. Except yeah. what happens when What if he has guy, 23? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't well, know. I, I, two I, or three ahead and has 26, 25, and they are back. they're back one or two back. Then you it's just in the world we live now, people are not prepared. First of all, I don't mean Liz's case, Liz's case, but people, everybody's a wonk. If they don't have numbers to make the case, they can't even make it. They don't even understand it. People aren't smart enough about sports anymore to look at a sport, look at an event, look at the contestant, and say, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't care what the numbers say. Here's what happened. They can't do it. So how's it going to play out? All righty. All right, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. And indeed, we will have Liz Clark when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the ZipRecruiter ad, and this too is new copy. Finding great candidates to hire can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board. But then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other services may overwhelm you with applications to sift through, ZipRecruiter finds what you're looking for the needle in the haystack. I've, I'm just going to add parenthetically, I don't think I've ever been around a haystack, and I really doubt I'd stick my hand in and try and find the needle. That's just me. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. That strikes me as important. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. My son, take heed. Sit down, listen well. Hear these words I say while I'm still able. You sit, not at, some thrift store piece of junk. This... <laughs> Is Uncle Benny's table. <laughs> Babe Ruth sat here. He spilled some whiskey there. Having lunch with Myrna Loy and Betty Grable. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe lost at Scrabble over there. <laughs> this is 
his uncle and his table. This is brilliant. I'm told that Moses stopped by once for chess. <laughs> uncle Benny parted his defense like the Red Sea. Ty Cobb flipped quarters for cash over there. Einstein made a mess that had to be seen to believe. Take pride, sit up straight, respect the nails and varnish. Let's discuss the game last night. Good thing we got cable. This is not some old rotting slab of balsa wood. This is Uncle Benny's table. It's brilliant. It's Dan Byrne. We have an embarrassment of riches today with Dan's, right? We got right. Dan Byrne and we got rapper Dan. It's wonderful. If people want to send us their original music and their name is Dan, uh, Michael, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. Walker will not believe this. It's just, oh, because he knows that voice. Oh, yeah. He loves that voice. That's wonderful. Uncle Benny's Table. That makes me very happy. If we have a, a, a place where we save things, we should definitely save that. Liz Clark joins us now. And we just had Wilbon on and we were discussing the fact that you would be able to put in perspective... Uh, Djokovic's career and Osaka right now, mostly Djokovic, better than anybody because you followed this for so long. But let me start with Osaka. Is she, in your opinion now, the, they both won the Australian Open with these. They have extraordinary records, Osaka. Mm. If she gets to the quarters, if she gets to the quarters in a major, she wins it. And Djokovic in Australia, if he gets to the semis there, he wins it. He's 18 and 0 from the semis on, and she, I believe, is now 12 and 0 from the quarters on, or something like that. So, oh, Naomi Osaka is she the best uh, woman tennis player in the world? You know, I think so. Um, and there'll be a couple asterisks if people really want to debate this. Um, she's she's yet to really impress, really go deep at Wimbledon and the French. And, and she spoke about this after winning, winning Australia. Um, her, what, what's astounding is she has won her first four majors um, in, in which she's reached the final, is, is implicit in what you said. But, yeah. you know, she didn't grow up in the classic junior ranks, so she didn't come up learning a bit about how to play on clay, how to slide, how to handle the bounce of the ball on grass, which are both oddities um, that a lot of European young, young players are brought up you know, with the medley of all these surfaces. So that's her new goal, which is, is another mark of a champion. Like, let me work on where I'm not great. But I would certainly put her number one in the world. She is so, so, has been so convincing. Um, and, and women's tennis has made an, ad, an adaption or, or is, is doing something different about the rankings, kind of, kind of freezing some people in place because of the pandemic. So technically she's not ranked number one. Ash Barty is ranked number one, but that's like, it hasn't caught up statistically to reality. I, I won't bore anyone further with that. But, no, I think she's the best, best women's player in the world right now. Um, and I'm very excited to see her improve on grass and clay. So Osaka says every time she plays Serena, she has apprehension, she has a mm. case of nerves, and then she beats her brains out. Um, yeah. What do you make of that? It's so touching. I mean, you just feel the sincerity of of all the emotional swirl of this young woman playing her idol. And I imagine it's, it's not unlike 
playing your sibling, you know, which very few of us can imagine. Um, and and uh, so I, I think that is sincere. But yeah, she's a she's a competitor. She she's not, you know, encumbered by that. Obviously, in a match, she um, she focuses. I mean, she's only twenty three. Um, she faced two match points against Muguruza in it the Australian and, you know, answered one with an ace. I can't remember the other response, but when she locks down, look out, you know, and, and that's not always characteristic of young players. Um, and I think 23 is young these days. Um, so, uh, so it's a real dichotomy. Yeah. She's humbled and trembling and nervous um, and and she has never in any way placed herself above Serena in conversation. She's so, um, you know, laudatory of Serena's achievements and and what Serena has meant to her and still means to her. But no, it's not a problem. It doesn't impede her, her competitiveness against her. Let us get to Serena, who is 39 years old and who mm. is chasing Margaret Court and chasing one to tie and two to go down as the winningest of majors of any woman of all time. Where is she now? And do you think, because I'm not sure, I don't actually, I, I don't think she will win any more majors. I don't, because she's reached that pattern now where she gets maybe to the semis and then, and then she's out. But where, where is she in your mind now? Well, she's the, to me, she's the greatest female player who's ever played the game. And, you know, numbers, well, the numbers are impressive, except for the one you mentioned, the court record. But, but there's a mm -hmm. huge asterisk on that. And I wrote uh, a long story that really stretched my brain to try to bring context and fairness to what, what is the comparison legitimately consist of Margaret Court's 24 versus Serena's 23. And it's really a false construct. It's apples to oranges. Um, Margaret Court's um, came at another era, in fact, an era when it was an amateur game and the Australian Open wasn't a big deal and not all of the world's best female players went to Australia to even contest it. So that's where she won 11 of her slams. So, in other words, I don't think Serena needs 24 to validate her status. I don't think she needs 25 to validate her status. But that's like for numbers geeks. So where is she now? She's in a really tough spot. Um, she's remarkably fit and powerful and capable, um, period, um, even more so when you throw in the fact that she's 39 and she is a mother <laughs> of one. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But kind of because Serena revolutionized women's tennis with her power, with her serve, with her, her incredible competitive spirit, you know, women have risen to that level. Um, you know, Osaka can match her power. Uh, Muguruza, I think, is an outstanding player, the Spaniard. Um, Simona Halep uh, generates an enormous power for not a, a small, small I mean, not a large woman, you know, she's not 5'10". Um, so it's, it is tough. There's not one single, well, I would say Osaka is the one single new boss of tennis, period. Right. Um, but we want to see more. But it's going to be tough for Serena, really, I think, everywhere at Wimbledon. I think on grass, she's still, if she gets another slam, I would say it's at Wimbledon on grass because she has seven titles there. She can handle um, can handle the odd surface. And 
no other active woman, I think, has won more than two Wimbledons. I should have looked that up. But, um, you know, there's not an there's not a master of Wimbledon other than Serena, who's who's currently playing. You know, there's not a Martina. Okay. There's not a Steffi Graf. Yeah, I mean, I would have. I mean, my slight argument is is that I think head to head Martina would have beaten her, but it's so close that I don't. It doesn't even matter. I mean, I think they are the two greatest. But I'm impressed the fact that that you think it is Serena. Let us move on to Djokovic. Um, Djokovic owns the Australian Open. He owns it almost like Nadal owns the French Open. Yeah. It's, this in, it's just incredible. If he gets to the semis, he wins it. It's nine, nine different times. Um, what do you make of that in, in this particular spot? Well, you know, it's funny. I got up extra early because I knew we'd be talking, and I wanted to have my numbers and my stats. And, you know, if we were to talk about of these big three, who is going to end up the greatest player of all time? You know, Nadal Yes, that's Federer, what Wilbon wanted to know. You know yep. So, you know, I've, I've given myself a massive headache. And, and I've realized that, to me, there's three ways of judging greatest of all time, especially with tennis. There's the eye test, you know, just, just what I see in their game. There's matters of the heart, you know, who in it really in my heart, I feel is the greatest. And then there's numbers and numbers. Djokovic is not there yet. He has 18 to their 20, but he's certainly, you know, climbing the billboard charts with the bullet, I guess, as they say, um, I, I, I don't doubt that he will get there. He's the youngest of the three. Um, his, his record at the Australian Open is staggering. I really expected Medvedev to give him fits yesterday, and he did not at all. Um, and that's partly because Djokovic raised his level. Um, but let's not forget, Nadal has 13 French Opens. Um, so he's the king there. And Federer has eight Wimbledons, um, not one in, in a while, but uh, the king there. So, yes, Djokovic, I mean, it's notable that of these big three, each has their surface where they, they command, you know. Well, let's go, let, let's go to what you were talking about, the heart and the eye. Uh, I mean, yeah. who do you, who do you <laughs> if you had to rank the three of them now, in what order would you rank them? So with the eye, I will always say Federer has the most beautiful game, the most varied game, the most graceful movement. I think he redefined tennis in, in a, mm-hmm. a way that's almost retro, you know, because it's, it's timeless. I mean, you could see Baryshnikov in him. You could see Rod Laver in him. You know, you can see different generations of artists. I mean, I, I just the beauty of his game, I, I don't see in Djokovic's game, and I don't see in Nadal's. Um, so he's my eye number one. Um, Nadal is my heart, you know, because I I just so admire um, the unrelenting way that he prepares and competes, and what it took for a clay court specialist to win Wimbledon. You know the way he totally reinvented his game. He did not win Wimbledon because the best guys didn't play that year. There's no asterisk there. He reinvented his footwork, his serve. He did so many things. Um, and that's heart. You know, that's a champion's heart because winning Wimbledon meant more to him than 
than anything, you know, because it was not his nature. It wasn't right. his upbringing. Um, and he's just a phenomenal sportsman. You know, I, I just, if, if I had a son, it would be Nadal. You know, he's just a, the master of fair play and, and kindness, even though he's ruthless on court. Um, you know, statistically, Joker is, it's, it's really stunning. And I had to remind myself, um, he has beaten Federer at Wimbledon on his, you know, kingdom. And he has also beaten Nadal at the French at his kingdom. And the other two can't say that, you know, con- consistently, um, you know, about the others. So, you know, that's a point in his favor. Uh he has a winning – actually, of the three, he's the only one with a winning record currently against the other two. He has a, a winning record against uh, Nadal, very slim, 29-27, and a, and a winning record against Federer, 27-23. So Nadal uh, has a strong winning record over Federer, um, but, but losing record to the other. And Federer currently has a losing record to the other two. So, you know, if, if, if we're having a guy conversation <laughs> – in a bar, which is always kind of comes down to numbers, you'd say Djokovic is on track to finish statistically the greatest of all time. But I, I, I feel things, you know, in these other regards that I've tediously explained. So I would say <laughs> who I would compare him to mm. um, is Larry Holmes. Um, okay. Larry Holmes beat Muhammad Ali. He was once his sparring partner, but he beat an old Muhammad Ali, a tired Muhammad Ali. It doesn't. The, the fight didn't even matter. The fight had no juice uh, to it whatsoever. Uh, yeah. uh, Roger Federer is six years older. Six years yeah. older. That's a lifetime in tennis to Djokovic. And so if Djokovic, at six years younger in the last, say, three to five years, beats him consistently, mm. he's beating an older player. Larry Holmes was an undefeated champion and then finally lost a couple of times, so nobody had to say that he was the greatest of all time, which he said he was, but he wasn't. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you cannot... Larry Holmes is not Muhammad Ali. It doesn't matter uh. what the record says. So that's what I would, I would say about Djokovic, that he's not Roger Federer. He's just not. Uh, I and love I don't know that, that it, analogy. It, it, I love that I don't know that anybody would process. say it. Yeah, I totally okay. love that. It makes perfect sense to me. I'll get you out on one thing because I think that this is one of the things that is remarkable and bad at the same time. Mm. These three guys are very old for tennis and they win all the majors all the time. They keep winning. (laughs) Is there no next great player? Does that person not exist? I, that was an open question for me, you know, maybe a year ago more so. Um, I don't know that there's one shining star, but I really like the the sort of equal footing, uh, more more to come from um, promise of Medvedev, uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas, whose game I just love, you know, for the variety and and his passion, and Dominic Team, who really came close to beating Nadal at the French. Um, I want to say 2019 when the wind was like the Wizard of Oz wind, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think 
that if there's a three-way battle uh, afoot. Although, and, and then there's some spectacularly gifted players who really haven't either settled down fully, like Nick Kyrgios, who is just beyond talent, beyond words, um, but runs so hot and cold. Um, and then I'm going to butcher his name, Felix um, Double A. OJ Aliasim. Thank you. Yes, yes. Who who is so so talented? And you could say, help me, Stern. Shapovalov. Shapovalov. I always get the stress wrong. Um, (laughs) So, which really fouls me up. You know, these are really exciting, dynamic players. All that I would tune in anytime they're playing, um, and uh, irrespective of ranking. So no, but so I think more so now than I, I did for a long, long time, that there is a next generation, and it's going to be pretty cool. Um, but not one has has claimed, you know, right. the next anointed in the way that I think Osaka has for the women. Yeah, she's it. She's yeah, it. There's no question. She is it. All right, this is lovely. Thank you, Liz. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a pleasure to hear your voice. <laughs> Liz Clark, guys. boys and girls. Okay, bye-bye. Um, we'll take a break. We will come back with uh, email, jingle, all of that stuff. I'm Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. We have a new sponsor of the show, Michelob Ultra, so I'd like to celebrate their joining us. You know, beer is synonymous with celebrating after a big win. It goes hand-in-hand with the joy that athletes experience from victory. Because of that, there is a perception that happiness and beer only come at the end of a journey, only come after the grind, after the hard work, after the win. Michelob is setting out to dismantle that perception. By partnering with some of the greatest athletes and proven winners of all time, they are demonstrating that happiness comes before the victory and that joy is a crucial ingredient on the road to success. Even the greatest athletes in the world choose to take time off the court or field to unplug, to have a beer with friends, and find balance. Michelob is not discounting the hard work and commitment that it takes to become a world-class athlete and win championships, but they firmly believe that enjoyment and balance are crucial components of the winning formula. It's not just about professional athletes. Everyone out there should know that they can and should enjoy themselves on the road to success in life, and that they should permit themselves to have fun, smile more, and have a beer with friends. Like having a Michelob Ultra, 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbs. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Brilliant. Not in my head like yeah. I'm toasting the bread like yeah. And the sound of my tingle is on. I know I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. Making grilled cheese with mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> Making grilled cheese with mayonnaise. It's the great Joe Arrow. It's the great Joe Arrow who says shout out to loyal little Sean O'Neill in Newark, Delaware for the idea. This, I take it, is a Miley Cyrus song. It is. 
and it's really good. It's just really now, good. Lunch this weekend was uh, <laughs> egg, open-faced eggplant parm sandwiches on some Ooh. focaccia. I just let me just say this. So we had some macaroni that we didn't eat. Cavatappi. Uh, and I said to Michael, do you want to try this or give it to the boys? It's Chef Roberto Dona. And you were so disdainful. You said, I make this all the time. It's, it's, nothing. it's like my go-to yeah, pasta. what Walker I do. Just, Walker just looked at pushed it aside. Yeah, it's just what I do. It's <laughs> After just, you heated up the entire bucket of totally it. Totally delicious. I finished it myself. <laughs> you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad, please? Oh, yes. Thank you, Tony. Um, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then stop on in, and you will be thrilled. And I have a code. TK Clocks is now active, so go check that out with uh, Johnny O, and I recommend the Pamlico uh, sweatshirt. It's beautiful for this uh, transitional season. Fantastic. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and we should have done this for Liz, with her long hair falling and her eyes that shine like the midnight sun. Whoa, she's the one. Thanks to Liz Clark. Thanks to Michael Wilbon. Thanks to our sponsors today, ZipRecruiter, Simply Safe, and Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. Uh, from Sully in Boston, Never Revere. You want to know how Bostonians will remember Pedroia versus Schilling versus Brady? Pedroia can walk into any bar in town and never pay for a beer again. Schilling can walk into any bar in town, but he shouldn't. Brady can walk into any bar in town, uh, but he better bring his own avocado beer because we don't serve that TB12 <laughs> method crap here. And yes, that includes the People's Republic of Cambridge. Maybe he could try Revere. I have no idea what anyone does in Revere, let alone what they eat and drink. Just a brilliant email. From Jacob DeVoy in Chicago, Illinois. I wanted to say that the music you play between segments can truly lead to these artists and bands getting new fans. Personally, years ago, you played a song called The Summer That Johnny Drowned by pop-punk band Hot Pink Hangover. I love the song. I added it to my repertoire. I soon moved from Chicago to Minneapolis and found that Hot Pink Hanover, Hangover were Twin Cities-based. I've been to multiple shows and all. I'm back in Chicago. I still follow their new releases. Thank you providing a, for 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 providing a platform for these artists and as always eat it solicit so that's very nice and that's what you hope for you hope that people will oh, sure. like the music and go get the music yeah i hope those. you go back to your boston accent as you open i don't up a do harpoon. it very well <laughs> nigel does it far better than i yeah uh carl in oswego new york which is in upstate new york that's where Al Roker went to school, SUNY Oswego. I'm enclosing my address so you can share it with any sponsors that you deem appropriate. I'm a size 15 in Skechers, and I like Payday Bars, and really anything chocolate from Hershey's. I will write to you every week and tell you how much I love these products that were sent to me. So really, it's a win-win for all of us. From Chico Donaldson in Cheverly, Maryland. With the condiments and grilled cheese talk floating around, what is our p official stance on bear attacks? You continue to say, get big. Well, I've heard many others say, play dead. I feel like on the off chance I'm attacked by a bear that I will lie on the ground and get big simultaneously. Could we please have clarification? I will hang up and listen. From Stephen Woody in Montrose, Colorado. The only appointment TV I have is you and Wilbon at 3.30 p.m. Because they're in the mountain time zone in Colorado. Doing the math. Like you, I can't stay up late for the ESPN same day encore. I retired or became unemployed three years ago after 38 years of being a publisher of community daily newspapers. While in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, I regularly read you and Wilbon, the hard copy in the Post, which was then delivered to a local newsstand. 
Man, oh man, did you guys have the columnists? You and Will Bond, Tom Boswell, Tom Callahan. Must say I clipped and saved many of them. Over a long career, I wrote a daily column, 600 words or so, ellipsis style, first thing in the morning for next day's editions. I was influenced by Blackie Sherrod of the Dallas Times-Herald and the Morning News. You mentioned him the other day. Scatter shooting, that was his column title. Growing up in my father's newspaper, he was community publisher as well, I was fortunate enough to read great newspaper columnists. They were often identifiable by the cities where they lived. Jim Murray, Los Angeles, Furman Bisher, Atlanta, Bob Bregg, St. Louis, Eddie Pope, Miami, Art Hoppy. San Francisco, and of course, all the writers from New York City newspapers. They were influencers, as they say now. Newspapers have diminished, particularly in the last 10 to 15 years. I lay it at the feet of the owner class. Yet when I walk our dog Sagan after Carl, I listen to your podcast, recall your column, and get ready for PTI. I'm reminded that you're a newspaper guy still. I add these days, I eye with suspicion Subaru owners and pine for Bethesda bagels. Keep them coming. Stephen Woody, Montrose, Colorado. Really nice. Rick Flowers. This is important. While thumbing through the catalog, placing spring orders for our pro shop gift shop here at our course, I came across your favorite organic candy bar. It turns out we've sold two dozen payday bars over the past couple of years, and hopefully with your ringing endorsement, we will sell a few more. All my best, Rick Flowers, head golf pro, Rocky Gap Casino and Golf Resort. P.S. Anytime you or Michael or any of your regulars would like to play, we're only two hours away, and we'd love you to be our guests. Thanks for many years of laughs. Rick Flowers. Now I look this up. Rocky Gap. It's in a small town that is actually named Flintstone, Maryland. Yeah. It's actually named Flintstone. Beautiful. It is fairly near Cumberland, Maryland. It's way in the west of Maryland. And I would say that my guess is the people who live that far in the west of Maryland don't think of themselves as having anything to do with the rest of Maryland in the way that people that live in Buffalo don't think of themselves as having anything to do with the rest of New York. This is very, very close, just south of the Pennsylvania border. And if you go south from Flintstone, any appreciable amount of miles, you're in West Virginia. This is a hike. But, Michael, I think we should go out there one day. I think we should go out and, and play the course, and maybe even if it's a casino, go stay overnight and, and go to the casino. So I'll, I'll save that one. Save it. I'll save that one. From Fred Unger. Our small dog was starting to put on weight as she aged, and our vet said we should maintain her weight at 14 pounds after letting her get up to 17 pounds. Rather than starve her, we tried something we had heard about a few years earlier, cut green beans. Believe it or not, she loves them. So for the last four years, we've been giving her half the normal amount of dry food and making up the rest with a sizable amount of cut green beans. Nugget is now a happy and healthy 15-year-old, 14-pound Chihuahua Pekingese mix. Hope this helps. One more. Upon my death, this is from Barney Shapiro, who signs himself the formerly actually paid official trash man of the Tony Kornheiser show and the current <laughs> king of all D.C. trash. And he writes, upon my death, my older son, Joseph Wilson, class of 07 and Cornell and GW Med School, will text you to do the introduction at my funeral. Don't worry, he has your number. My girlfriend has a wad of cash from which to pay you. We do expect an in-person appearance. After your intro, the rabbi at 6th and I will conduct a brief service, which will be followed by the Nighthawks performing for several hours while the liquor flows. At the conclusion, a funeral procession of 40 bright Syracuse orange trash trucks will wind its way to the old Addis Israel Cemetery in Southeast, where my ashes will be illegally spread on top of my parents' <laughs> graves. I'm too cheap to buy my own plot. This is so good. It's such, it's just so, so good. And we'll leave it at that. And tomorrow, or Wednesday, rather, we'll get to the water bill emails, which I'm grateful to have. Uh, if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. If I wish one of your guys had children, if I could kick them in the head or stomp on their testicles, <laughs> for you to feel my pain, because that's the pain I have waking up every day. <laughs> 
chains. Drive to the venue. Can't eat no shit on the menu. Gluten free, not good for reviews. And I still can't tell what you up to. Flashback, Snapchat, WhatsApp, give me that. Gotta guesstimate a point of calibration with sophisticated, imitated, condescending bullshit. Hear me talk like I'm chilling in a pulpit. You drinking, I'm driving. You smoking, I'm vibing. You open my eyes and I know it's surprising. I can't stand to see you upset. So stressed out, just talk to me. Talk to me. You don't have to feel so bad. Don't shut down, just talk to me. Here, it's not a fable. This is Uncle Benny. 